Talking over the neighbours, welcome to Hand of Pod. Welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the 260th episode of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined this week by Andres. Hello Sam, how are you? Very well, thanks, how are you? Fine, too. And also by my next door neighbour, whose voice you might be able to hear very, very faintly because the walls are quite thin and she's shouting at somebody on the phone at the moment. Special guest. Talking in her normal voice at somebody on the phone, I should say. Um, I hope that she doesn't understand English, otherwise she might have just heard me say that. Um, I will begin, as usual, by reading out the scores from last weekend's action. They are as follows. Sarmiento got a 1-0 win at home to Defensa y Justicia. Godoy Cruz lost, surprisingly, 2-0 at home to Atletico de Rafaela on Friday night. And then on Saturday, there was a 3-0 away win for Belez Sarsfield over Tigre. Uh, Tempele beat Tacheres 2-1 in Tempele. Rosario Central nil, Colón nil, and Unión de Santa Fe two, Newell's Old Boys one in the two All Santa Fe province fixtures. Lanús one, Estudiantes de la Plata nil, San Lorenzo two, River Plate one, Gimnasia de la Plata one, Banfield two, Belgrano de Córdoba one, Arsenal de Sarandí two, Olimpo three, Huracán one, Atlético Tucumán one. San Martín de San Juan 2, Boca Juniors 3, Independiente 0, Quilmes 0, Patronato 1 and Racing 1, Aldo Civi 1 on Monday night. Uh, it's obvious where we should start, those two all big five clashes. We were billing this last week as um potential title decider and it looks like it probably has been now because between River losing... Um, in what was a, a very entertaining uh, match and, and um, a very hard-earned win by San Lorenzo uh, between River losing and, and Boca fairly simply dispatching Independiente that puts Boca four points clear with only nine points to play for and it looks like the title race is um, somewhat less exciting than it was a week ago now I don't remember exactly the, the episode in which I, I said or well, it, it's not because I said but it was like that that Boca were the winners of the round, and uh, in this case, again, Boca were the clear leaders, uh, winners of the round, uh, strangely easily winning Independiente, perhaps, uh, providing provided the, the way they were playing uh, at least the last four or five matches, in which they uh, weren't uh, clearly the, the, the uh, perhaps, uh, the, the, the ones who deserved to be the leaders of the title. Now, it's not because the single a single match that now they are, but they they have four points advantage to River, uh, who lost in a perhaps clearly lost against San Lorenzo, but with a goal that was a, an accident by Augusto Batalla, the goalkeeper. Mm. And uh, given these things, 
yes now the boca are more perhaps uh, not with the rope at their throat like they were uh, uh, one week before when a lot of critics to their performances to the the, the way they are, they were playing with the 11 points that they uh, were with they had an in, in advantage to river some time ago and now they were one because river uh, defeated Atletico Tucumán in the in the on Wednesday night we hadn't uh, uh, talked about that because we recorded on Tuesday and River played on Wednesday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot we recorded before. So on 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 Sunday they were one point behind Boca and they could have been the leaders the, at, at least the, 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 uh, for a while because uh, they they played San Lorenzo before Boca played Independiente, but well, finally they lost and uh, left Boca with somehow uh, an easy way to, to to be the leaders with more advantage. Mm. Uh, and of course, when I was listening to the, to the radio uh, before the, the Boca played against Independiente, and the players when arri- when they arrived to the to the stadium to the Alberto Armando Stadium de Bombonera, they were at ease. They were uh, smiling. They mm. were more uh, with another, of course. Uh, uh, face that they were when they, for, for example, drew against Huracan in the last minute. Uh, it was, of course, another another face. Yeah, um, it was an sort of. Which game should we talk about first, specifically? San Lorenzo River, maybe. If you it want want to look at a, a chronological order and, and yeah. the way they played, yes. But uh, I don't know if it's one was more important than the other. Perhaps on River, by losing, yes, they left Boca with another uh, possibility, but uh, I don't know what, whether one or... And I, I thought San Lorenzo River, I thought, was as uh, interesting a game as we were expecting it to be. It was between two teams in good form. River's form uh, dropped off somewhat, actually, during the game. They, they didn't put the best performance in. They, of course, were without uh, Jorge Moreira and Lucas Alario, who were both suspended. Um, which really harmed them but the key point in the game and possibly the key point therefore in the in the title race was when Sebastián Riusi uh, went down injured he, he slipped on the grass and ended up doing his adductor I don't know how long he's out for uh, they will they will try him, him to be for Racing game in, in almost two weeks time it, no, it wasn't the tier uh, because they, they feared that it was like a, a more severe injury and finally it was. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, once he had to go off, it really, River's attack was seriously hamstrung after yes. that because with the Lario already missing and also Carlos Alski had a shocking game um, and had already was already well into having a shocking game. Uh, he'd made at least one really bad miss and a couple of missed yes. passes before Driussi had to go off even. Um, and, yeah, but San Lorenzo closed it out very well. Uh, we need to talk about Natasha. No? Because well, I said after the first Super Clásico of the season, uh, Boca's 4-2 win in La Bombonera, um, I made the point that he's young, he's improving, I think he's going to be decent um, in the future. And he's made another mistake in another big game. He already did it a couple of weeks ago as well in the reverse fixture in the Super Clásico. Yes. Okay, River won, but uh, Boca's goal in the 3-1 win 
came as a result of, of Batasha coming out and getting absolutely nowhere near a high ball. And as you mentioned earlier, he's made a cock up for what turned out to be San Lorenzo's winner as well. Um, and yeah, he is young. And there isn't any reason that he can't improve, except that he doesn't seem to be learning from his mistakes. Then, against uh, uh, in another match that, of course, we mentioned, against Rosario Central in the Copa Argentina final, which was another uh, important game because it was a final, he made two mistakes that mm. ended in goals. But River, in that case, the team saved him by scoring four goals to win for free. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, as, as, we, as you mentioned, with no uh, Alario and partially not no, no, no Riusi, uh, because he went out after 25 minutes, even having scored the penalty, uh, there, the team didn't save him because uh, uh, between uh, Alonso, uh, Auski and Larondo, uh, the, the three together doesn't uh, do the same than Alario or Riusi by themselves. No, exactly. Uh, so the team didn't, didn't save him in this case, and everything goes to uh, uh, the possibility that Boca finally has have their way easy, easier because River had lost, and, and River lost because of this mistake of, from Batasha, who is yes, he's a kid, but uh, uh, he's like he, with, he goes with fear to the ball. Uh, in this case, he he wanted to punch it with. Uh, Paulo Diaz, the San Lorenzo defender, just uh, when he was near him, the the ball hit uh, Paulo Diaz and uh, finished in the second goal of San Lorenzo. Mm. Um, and yes, I think it's a mistake from the the, the directors or the, 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 the members of the the ones who decide the the hires or the signings for River, not to hire a, a, a goalkeeper to be along uh, beside him. Because Bologna is injured, he has been into surgery, surgery, and he has uh, had a, had a, I don't know how to say it, hernia. Uh, hernia. Ah, well, same uh, And he's recovering still with some time to recover. And this, the goalkeeper that is the substitute of Batasha is Velasco, the kid that made his debut against uh, Independiente Medellin yeah. for Copa Libertadores in the second match of the. Uh, so it's impossible for a goalkeeper to learn from their mistakes if the, the one who is beside him is another kid. Mm. And it has been said today that uh, they're, they are looking for a good goalkeeper. Nothing has been confirmed anyway. Uh, so we have to wait, of course. It was mentioned Herman Lux and, and Chisola, two former goalkeepers. Yeah, we had a question actually, uh, Peter. Yes. Um, Handapod uh, yes. crew member suggested that we talk about Batasha, and uh, we had a reply from Jack Tillman saying that he would take um, Chichi Sola, who's available on a free. But Chichi Sola's available on a free, having been just released by a Serie B club in See, Italy. Especially, uh, so that, uh, I'm not sure. Well, but he is really at the level that River need at the moment. It was said that he was he's look, been looked by by Sampdoria and Genoa to Serie A clubs. Also, haven't been confirmed. This uh, this hasn't been confirmed, mm. uh, so we don't know. Yes, he has. Be, he now is free from special Serie B uh, club. Uh, yes, I don't know. It's if, of course, if, if the rumor is confirmed and, and River finally is looking for a goalkeeper, and you say who do you prefer, Herman Lux or Tizola? I will definitely say Herman Lux, as oh. he will won't I continue would say from. Frank Armani. But, uh, <laughs> yes, but if 
the two two goalkeepers that have have been named as a rumor at, at yeah. least are those two: the Herman Lux and Chichisola, and looks also free from Deportivo de la Coruña, uh, with perhaps more uh, action in, in in first division. Mm. So I I know uh, of course it's not to crucify Batasha, not to say uh, uh, you can't be the goalkeeper of River, but at this time he needs perhaps more help than having uh, uh, as a substitute another kid. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, the uh, Boca's players turned up in in good spirits as you would expect them to a few hours later for their match against Independiente, uh, knowing already that River had lost. Um, but they still had to go out and do the job and, and win and open up that gap at the top and they did it very, very well, I thought. I was surprised, given how well Independiente had been playing in recent weeks, um, that Independiente weren't a lot better than they were. I mean, especially in the first half, they were awful. Um, but Boca had to create the chances and they had to take the chances against a team who uh, have had the best defence in the league this season. Um, and they did it superbly. Dario Benedetto um, scored two, the second of which was a, a fantastic strike from just outside the area. And um, Junior Benitez scored a far post header to put Boca 2 0 up just on the stroke of half time. And it was never really in doubt. I mean, Boca from the first minute were dominant. Well, every, everything that we have been talked uh, in the recent episodes, now we have to erase that or to uh, perhaps re record and say. Well, yes, Boca was just eff- effective, accurate, good at perhaps all of their lines, and Independiente was just as we uh, the same way as Boca, but the, the other way around. I mean, playing very well uh, and as a as a, a, a way, especially uh, with uh, not having lost uh, since Holland is in charge and mm. in the south bench, and they were dreadful. Uh, and um, for, for example, Pavon, who has been mm, quite inoffensive in attack, uh, he made a very good play, a brilliant play, serving a, 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 an accurate cross to or a pass to Benitez just to put his head and score. Yeah, uh, that's an example only. Then Benedetto scoring two, one 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 was a penalty, but the other one was a, a very good finish, and. Um, Yes, a, a friend of mine that is has nothing to do with kind of pod or or or, or but is outside the football uh, journalism said I I and he's an independent supporter. He said mm-hmm. I don't know why Tagliafico didn't even mark, and I I pro- taking this as true. I say well perhaps he was just uh, uh, being careful because he's he has been called up for the national team. And if he goes very strong to to fight for a ball and he gets injured, mm. he wouldn't uh, take part of the of the national team to play against Brazil and Singapore. That's an, uh, one possibility. I don't say it's like that. Yeah. But uh, perhaps independent players were like soft with their rivals because of that. But uh, the thing is that Boca was another team, Independiente. Also, were two teams very two dif- very different teams. Comparing them to the way they were playing uh, their last rounds. Yeah, Dario Benedetto scoring two goals or more for the I think it's the sixth time or fifth time this season. Um, incidentally, so he now overtakes Triusi again 
to be the top goal scorer in the league so far. I think he's one ahead. Driussi had... They were level, weren't they, at the start of play yes, on Sunday? So Drew, obviously scored the penalty uh, no. to 17, yes. and now Benedetto's overtaken him onto 18. Yes. Um, did you catch any of the Racing game on, on Monday night, just to complete the big five roundup? Only, only very little. I know the Racing defence was also awful. Mm. Again, uh, beyond with some mistakes. I will remember Dan's uh, saying that he was terrific. Uh, not terrific, not in a good way. Terrible. Uh, terrible, yeah. yes. Uh, and again, uh, I was going to say that uh, in about River match that Casco was the same as Piyud in Racing, but in uh, play for River, uh, awful. So uh, yes, the defense was just uh, poor. Ah, we have to say that Orion came back to the goal as Muso has been injured and Coca decided Coca decided Orion to give uh, to give Orion back his. His position in the, in the, in the goal, we don't know whether it is because only of that, because because he made up his mind, but again uh, he made a mistake, not a terrible mistake, but uh, he didn't cover the first post when from a shot that made uh, uh, Medina Antonio Medina scoring mm. the first goal for Aldacivi, and after that it was a very a very nervous racing that. Uh, uh, had a, an equalizer scored by by Lautaro Martinez, who came back from the national under twenty national team. Yeah, but uh, not nothing very, very, very particularly good for from Racing that uh, received some whistles from the from the supporters finishing the game uh, because they are now they are seeing the the, the possibility of uh, going to the Copa Libertadores very very far or. Farther than they, it was if they that if that they if they if they had won the, that possibility would have been, uh, of course, yeah. closer. Yeah, we'll go into the full standings in in a short yeah. while. Obviously, we would have liked to record um, with English Dan to talk about Racing once more, um, but uh, he's currently in the air. He's he's on his way for a trip back to England for a few weeks. Um, and I completely forgot that he was flying today until yesterday afternoon, which was when I sent out the email, and I quickly sent him a message to see whether he could record yesterday, and obviously it was already too late, so apologies if you were hoping for uh, the dulcet tones of Buenos Aires' uh, favourite English He could have given his opinions uh, by cell phone in the the airport, but well, no. No, that would have been... um, a nightmare to record, to be honest. Yes. Uh, might have got him arrested for talking on his phone on the, uh, the airport. Yes. Who knows? Um, moving on down the table, then. We've had an interesting weekend. I'm just trying to look at some of these the key scores in the relegation battle because there was a sort of all-everybody's-in-trouble fixture on Sunday between Olimpo and Huracan in Bahia Blanca, which was comfortably won by Olimpo. Um, there was a win for Arsenal against Belgrano, uh, 2-1 with, is it Facundo Milo? Um, Federico, I think Fernando. Fernando Milo? I think it's Fernando. Federico, according ah, to this, but this well. website is often wrong. So it's either Federico or Fernando Milo, um, who scored a fine overhead kick to eventually win the game for Arsenal, although he did it with about half an hour to play. Um, and what are the other key relegation ones here? Tempele got that surprise win over Tacheres, 2-1. And Atletico de Rafaela beating Godoy Cruz 2-0 and Sarmiento picking up a 1-0 win against Defensa Justicia in the first two games of the weekend. 
All of which means um, that the relegation battle is really heating up. It means that Sarmiento are now just fractionally off one point per game. It means that Atletico de Rafaela are just fractionally above one point per game. But the reason that it remains interesting is because if those two teams, or either of those two teams, had failed to win the weekend just gone, they would almost definitely be down. Uh, I think Dan tweeted me at one point to say that Sarmiento, if they had lost their game, were going to be relegated, whatever else happened. Um, so the, that win keeps them just clinging on by the skin of their teeth to Primera. Um, and Dupley now are, are one point uh, uh, Huracan. Absolutely, lost yeah. Tempele also won, and they were, they're one of the other two teams. And Quilmes, who were the, only, the other team, were the only team in the relegation zone to lose. They lost 1-0 at home to Patronato on Monday evening. Um, and so this means that everything's tightening up, because now, I mean, Tempele are as you say, one point behind Huracan with the same number of games played. Um, who? Are, what other comparisons have we got that we can make between teams with the same number of matches? Quilmes six points behind Olimpo, so Olimpo probably safe thanks to that 3-1 win over... Huracan. Over Huracan, thank yes. you, yes, of course. Um, so that was why that one was such a big one. And Arsenal, sadly, <laughs> possibly safe now. Um, thanks to that 2-1 win against Belgrano. If they lost it, then they'd be on 100 points from 92 games, but they won it, so they are on 103 points um, from 92 games, uh, which puts them eight points clear of Kielmes and some more points clear of, of, or some point, point something points ahead of um, Tempele, with only three games to go, which means that we suspect that Grondona's boys are still in it. Although... I've just seen Aldo Sibi on 82 points, just above Arsenal. Uh, Aldo Sibi have played the same number of games as Huracan and Tempele, so they're only two points out of Huracan, only three points out of Tempele, so maybe Arsenal can still be dragged down into it. Um, we need to remind ourselves of, of what the remaining fixtures for these clubs are, aren't we? Don't we? So Arsenal, Olimpo, let's have a look at them, and Huracan. Let's see whether any of these three have got particularly difficult fixtures. Huracan in their current form, every fixture is going to be a difficult one to be honest um, Arsenal who have won four of their last five matches are finishing off at home to Godoy Cruz away to Quilmes and at home to Tigre that is a very kind run indeed given those teams forms at the moment um, it's also could really put Quilmes in some trouble Olimpo their remaining fixtures are away to Independiente at home to Boca Juniors and away to Aldo Sibi and Huracans are at home to Union, away to Lanús, and at home to Belgrano. I mean, you would have to say that if one of those three teams dangling just above the relegation zone are going to drop into the relegation zone, after looking at the fixtures we just looked at, it would probably be Olimpo, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, I agree. Independiente and Boca in the last two games, um, and even Aldo Sibi aren't, you know, they're not any great shakes, but they're not as bad as some of the other mm. teams down there. So. And you mentioned Tigre, who is not a... Uh, in danger of, of being related, but they have uh, something new to tell, which is that which is the shit. No, uh? Sorry, carry on. Sorry, no. <laughs> that is that Ricardo Caruso Lombardi is back. Oh, is he? As a, as the as the manager as the coach. Sorry, uh, as a, uh, finally Saba. Uh, uh, I I just don't remember whether he was sacked or he resigned by the, by himself. But now Ricardo Caruso Lombardi, uh, uh, an old. Uh, Tigre, but has been already been the coach of, of Tigre. Now he's back there. 
looking up what happened with Facundo Saba right now because um, I missed this. Basically, wasn't aware of it. Uh, he resigned the other Lovely. day. Yeah. Uh, and another managerial change that we have had is that Diego Osella has resigned from Newell's Old Boys, who had a hell of a week. Have you heard about everything that happened at Newell's? Um, during the week, there was some nonsense uh, in in the boardroom which was going on, and, and I think batterers at the training complex one day. Um, and then on the way into the match uh, with Union, something that the Argentine security authorities are doing this year uh, is checking everybody's um, ID card. So if, if you're a foreigner and you're here and you go to a game, you'll be asked for your passport on the way in. Um, obviously, if you're a resident or an Argentine, you get asked for your DNI. Yeah, your national ID card, and um, and they check it against the the police records to make sure that nobody's got a criminal um, record who's going into the stadium. Um, and one of Newell's vice presidents was arrested as a result of these checks on his way into the stadium because he had an outstanding arrest warrant for drug offences. Um, and then they lost to Union, and Diego Sela stepped down. So, not a great week uh, for the red and black half of Rosario, it yeah. must be said. Yes, and I, I read some uh, words from, from Escoco uh, criticizing the, the, the board members, or especially the, the president, Bermudez, who criticized the players, and there is a fight between them, between the, the directors and, and the players. And, of course, Escoco said that he doesn't know whether he will continue at news uh, since July. So another problem because if there is one player that uh, could have uh, made news at least uh, be a bit better is, is Coco. And what? Yeah, indeed. Um, the exact phrase that he's used is that the um, yeah they, the the board of directors have started a war. Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, going back. I don't know whether we can say going back to the bad old days at Newell's when, for most of the '90s and into the 2000s, when Eduardo Lopez was the club president and just ran it as a dictatorship. Um, but yeah, it looks, by the way, as if Osella's um, replacement is going to be Juan Manuel Shop, um, currently of Atlético de Rafaela, but not very happy there and not doing particularly well there. So. Who knows what that could mean if, if Newell's end up taking him on. Um, but yeah, for the moment, they've got uh, Pablo Bojboda, who is the person who always takes over at Newell's, basically, when they sack or, or when a coach quits. Um, he's the uh, under-20 manager or the reserve manager, or one of them, anyway. Bojboda, I think he was the the assistant of of, uh, of Osela. Yeah. But he's also he, he he also does the youth systems or the reserve team or one of the two because um, he's he's been interim. I think this must be about his fourth or fifth spell in the last sort of four or five years um, as Newell's interim manager. Uh, yeah, at one point I think two seasons ago, that might have been during the 2015 championship, the long one, um, when he had two separate spells as caretaker manager yes. during the season. Um, so yeah, if you're a Newell's fan, Luis. If you're listening, sorry to uh, be the bearer of bad news, but it's not been a great week for you. Um, elsewhere, Banfield's fine form is keeping up. Re- Renato Sibeli and Dario Spitanic were the two goal scorers uh, in that 2-1 win away to Gimnasia, which means, Banfield fans, that you're third in the table at the moment, I believe. Unless somebody's overtaken them since. Yes. Uh, but I don't think... No, Banfield are third in the table. Um 
just one point behind River in second, and obviously five points behind Boca, who went out to call the um, the league title early for I think, uh, in the hope that we jinx them. But um, yeah, and other than that, uh, Tigre are rubbish. Belles Belles scoring three goals that doesn't feel like it's happened for a while. That that means that that Tigre was rubbish. Yes. Yeah, it must do, mustn't it? Because where are Belles here on this list? There they are. Just want to look up the last time they managed three goals. It's going to be about two weeks ago, isn't it? Probably. It normally is when I do this. Um, the last time that Vélez scored three goals was against Estudiantes in the 15th round, so in the first uh, weekend of this year. Um, and that's only the second time they've scored three goals all season, um, which gives you an idea of how bad Tigre had to be. Um, and, yeah, no. any Any other talking points? You remember anything, Andres? Well, Temple beating Tacheres is a, a big result. Yeah. Uh, surprising also because Tacheres perhaps lost something of what they had before or some some rounds ago, but Temple to win that match was just uh, surprising for me. Mm. As they are now, as we said, one point behind Huracan with clear, with uh, real chances of, of saving from relegation. Yeah, I wonder what it is with Tacheres because we... we made the point that even though they took six games to get a win um, at the start of the season, they were playing really well. Um, their opening matches were against Racing and River and then a Colón side, which has started very well. Banfield, which at the time, it, it sort of that draw against Banfield, you sort of thought, oh, that'll be a bit frustrating for them. Uh, but now, obviously, um, sort of 23 games later, Banfield are third in the table, so that, that result suddenly looks a lot more impressive. Um, but Tajeris were playing well and it was no real surprise to us when they finally managed to win and ended up going sort of 9 or 10 games unbeaten I think it was um, and they've fallen off a little bit just recently they're still winning they, they won a couple in a row just a couple of weeks yes. ago yes, but, um, but they're losing a lot yes. more than they, they were doing before yes they lost the, that well uh, Argentinian football is not re- regular it's not uh, you can't uh, trust on a team along the the rounds but I, I see that they lost two two in a, in a row then they drew then they won two in a row then they lost so yeah. it's like like a cardiogram like it's like a losing winning drawing not nothing very stable no exactly uh, the remaining fixtures for them are against Gimnasia Central and San Lorenzo um, but I, I kind of wonder whether a lot of it is just going to be the fact that um, relegation-wise they're, they're basically safe, aren't they? Because they've got... I mean, they're way up. Yeah, they're in 11th place at the relegation table, so I, I think they maybe just have relaxed a little bit as well. Um, I haven't caught as much of them in recent weeks. I didn't catch very much football the weekend, just gone, as listeners can probably tell from the generalisations that I'm talking in, um, partly because of the uh, European Cup final, which I was watching instead on the Saturday and then on Sunday we, we went to the supermarket and it ended up taking three times longer than we were expecting it to so that was nice managed to fit it in between um, San Lorenzo River oh no that was uh, sorry I had to take up my postal votes for the UK election to um, somebody in another part of town and that ended up taking ages that was what happened between those two games on Sunday the two big ones um, anyway another attractive match was Lanús against Estudiantes but I don't I couldn't catch very much of that no, nor did I. Um, and I'm not trying to remember why, but I can't remember why. So let's just brush that one under the carpet. Uh, 
I didn't watch it. Okay. It's my weekend. I'll do what I want. Um, unless you can think of anything else to uh, discuss from the weekend's football, Andres. We're going to take a half-time break now, and when we come back, we will talk about the Argentine national football team, the full grown-up men's one, um, rather than the rather disappointing under-21, um, because the men have their first... Ooh, that looked painful. Um we're watching a Copa Argentina game and somebody just took a football to the face at a free kick. Uh, the men have their first match under their new manager very shortly. We didn't know, of course, who their new manager was going to be when we last recorded. So we will unveil that mystery for you as well in just a few seconds. Don't go anywhere. the national team I will go over the positions because I said a few minutes ago that we were going to do that and then I completely forgot to so the standings as they are now with three games to go unless I say otherwise ah first place Boca Juniors with 56 points second place River Plate with 52 points Banfield are in third with 51 uh San Lorenzo fourth with 49 points Fifth are Newells with 48. Sixth, Estudiantes with 47. Uh, 40, yes, I'm saying this correctly. Good. Uh, seventh are Racing with 46. Eighth are Independiente with 45. Just ahead of Lanús and of Colón on goal difference, who are ninth and tenth. And eleventh are Rosario Central with 42 points. Um, so just to reiterate, first down to fifth are going into next year's Copa Libertadores. And 6th to 11th, inclusive, go into next year's Copa Sudamericana. So just also fighting for um, qualification into the Sudamericana are Tacheres, um, Defensa Justicia, who of course are in this year's Copa Sudamericana, and have put San Paolo out, uh, Gimnasia, who are also in this year's Sudamericana, and Godoy Cruz. Uh, Tacheres and Defensa Justicia are 40 points each, Gimnasia and Godoy Cruz have 37 each, so it's not going to be easy for the latter two. Uh, but certainly Tacheres and Defensa Justicia can both um, force their way up. Also worth bearing in mind that Independiente and Defensa Justicia have a game in hand um, against each other, which was called off due to bad weather, I think, wasn't it, a few weeks ago. It was um, Defensa Justicia at home, and the, the pitch was waterlogged yes. or something like that. Um, so, yes, there is that. And then the relegation table in the Promedios... I mentioned the four teams already, really, who are all in the relegation zone. But just to reiterate, Sarmiento on bottom, Atletico de Rafaela second bottom, Quilmes and Tempele make up the relegation zone. And then just above those places, you've got Huracán, Olimpo, Arsenal and Aldo Sibi, who are also down there and very much in trouble. Um, the team just above Aldo Sibi are Patronato and they will have to look out a little bit because um, they have got fewer games than almost anybody else left in the league uh, obviously Tacheres have, have only been up for this season so they've got fewer than anyone um, and Atletico Tucumán have the same number of games on the board as Aldo, as uh, Patronato sorry, um, but are significantly better off in the table uh, so everybody up to 
Aldo Sivi, I think, are the teams in trouble. But if Patronato lose uh, the next couple, and then they could end up slipping down surprisingly quickly as well. Um, but I think it's going to be Sarmiento and Atletico de Rafael are down. That's not mathematical, but uh, I, um, I think that they're going to be relegated. Yes. And on <clears throat> current form, I think it's going to be Quilmes. But I think that Temple are going to manage to save themselves. Um, I'm going to go for... Olimpo Huracán will be the, the yeah. most... Uh, I'm going to go for Huracán, I think. I think it's going to be Sarmiento, Atlético de Rafael, Quilmes and Huracán who are going to be the four teams to be relegated. Right. You heard it here first. And we'll see what happens in a few weeks when I'll have forgotten um, what I just predicted. Okay, on to the national team. Uh, on Friday, at a different time of day, depending on where you're listening from... Uh, Argentina play against Brazil in Melbourne, um, which is in Australia, for which reason that match is kicking off at five past seven in the morning here in Buenos Aires. Thank you very much indeed, globalised football. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, This would normally be a match, in fact, that I I wouldn't have bothered getting up for when they first announced it a few months ago when Edgardo Balsa was Argentina manager. But now I'm going to, partly because I feel I have to, because it's the new manager's first day in charge, and partly because the new manager in question um, is a man whose football is perhaps a little bit more entertaining to watch than Negado Balsas was. Yes, uh, he's been announced and attractive, of course, this said before, and because of what we have watched uh, playing to Chile and Sevilla, more Chile, I think, because uh, I we could watch an entire Copa America. We don't watch every Sevilla match, or we didn't. We weren't able to watch every Sevilla match, uh, even with San Paoli in the bench. But we were able to watch the 2015 Copa America, in which uh, Chile won won by defeating Argentina on penalties in the final, and uh, making Chile play the way they played may, makes uh, makes you uh, have a measure of what. Sampali expects from a team because uh, to 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 be su- to su- be successful with a, a, a national team like Chile, who uh, hadn't won any single cup before, and and to to do it with them is mm. something interesting. And yes, I think that of course that the the expectations are are are, are good are, are are high because of his style or his the way that he makes his teams play but then we have to watch him and see what happens and um, what, what is interesting about him is that he uploaded a, 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 like an instructions or adri- addresses of uh, the way he will uh, direct his the training session yeah, to the AFA website right yes. yeah. uh, for the journalists and people in general you know, to understand the way he will the, 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 the step by step yeah, he outlined some of his main philosophies, um, which include... I'm going to go to the La Nación um, summary of it rather than go to the article itself, just because we've already got La Nación open and it's easy to click through. Um, that... Uh, what have you got? Um, that you have to... I'm going to try and translate this as I read it now. I did read it earlier, but um, I'm reminding myself as I go along. So here we go. Uh, the report claims or, or holds that um, the attempt 
the uh, to to hold the footballing ideal um, in the small amount of time that you have to work with players in national teams because the players are going to be arriving very close to the day of the competition. Um, so what you have to do is to generate strategically um, possibilities uh, to 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 get the to help the players to get to know each other. Um, which, with respect to the play, will have compatibility. Uh, this sounds much less wordy, and it makes a lot more sense in Spanish than it does in English, obviously, because yes. I'm translating as I as I read it. Um, but he also makes the point that when um, the manager is is picking his team, when when he's selecting the selección, uh, the most important thing is to is to choose players um, who have the chance to uh, make each other better. Because a lot of the time you'll have some very good players, but when they get together, they end up neutralising each other. Um, and he's going to be needing to try to work against that. So it's going to be really interesting, and, and it's one reason as well, that, that uh, this first um, call-up for him is so important, even though it's happened very shortly after his, his yes, announcement. Perhaps uh, he, he made it... And he, it's for a friendly, it's not yes, for a competitive game. Sorry, God. But it's important friendly because it's against Brazil and because it's his very first match. But... Uh, I think he says it in a very long statement, but we, what we can say or, or summarize about that is that, that what he wants is that the players that come by themselves to be together in the, in the pitch and try to make a, a, a whole thing, not only separate pieces, but just a team, like mm. we all expect and, and, and the idea that, is, that, that it's for a team to, 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 to go and play because... To, to have like a association between them, of course. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, on um, Friday evening, if you're listening from Australia, um, or Friday morning, if you're listening from here. And oh yeah, oh, okay, so eleven morning o'clock in the UK, on, um, depending on eleven in the UK as well, and obviously even earlier in the morning in the states. So I'm going to assume that most of our listeners in the states just won't be watching yes. the match or twelve. Uh, just at, at noon when if you are in Europe and um, yeah, oh, actually yeah, having said that, it's the middle of the day in in Europe, and I'm led yes. to believe that lots of people uh, have to have to do like office jobs and things and like earn money for going into an office and and sitting there for a few hours, and so I imagine that yes. lots of people won't actually able to watch the game. Why they have lunch, perhaps? Uh... Yes, yeah, yeah, um, possibly on the lunch break, but yes. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And to that end, Sampaoli is keeping us guessing still because in the last two days or in the last two training sessions, because um, I guess we're into the third day now in Australia because it's already tomorrow there. This is very confusing. Um, if you're listening in Australia, then you're possibly listening to this before we've recorded it because you're 13 hours ahead. 13 hours? I think it's 13 hours ahead of us. Um, but yes... In the last two training sessions that we have so far heard reports from, um, he's used two different formations with different sort of personnel. The first, well, no, actually, no, large, largely the same personnel, right? Yes. The first one on, uh, God, bloody hell. So today's Wednesday here, which means that the training session we read about this morning would have been, oh, Wednesday's training session as well, I guess. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon. So on Tuesday's training session, uh, there was a four. No, sorry, 3-4-2-1 three, three, used, yes. uh, in which the two were Paolo Dybala and Lionel Messi, and the one was Gonzalo Higuain. 
Um, and in today's training session, Wednesday's training session, uh, the system was switched to a 4-2-3-1, in which the most interesting bit um, was that Gabriel Mercado played at left-back. Mm. Although he was yes. afterwards replaced with Nicolas Tagliafico, I think makes more sense at left back, yes. personally. And uh, Di Maria, uh, to be more uh, with the creation uh, duty than mm. as the normal one, which was in a 3 4 2 1 formation, with Salvio on one side and him in the other one, as a more classic carrilero, perhaps, which is the to, to all the side of the left, left, the left side. Uh, which is more similar to the when the, the way he plays uh, he played before and uh, in the second one which was was the four two three one he was part of the three of the like enganches to put it to put a name uh, I think with uh, Messi and Dybala yeah, yeah uh, the one thing that I am interested by is the fact that Higuain and Dybala have both apparently featured fairly heavily in these training sessions um, because when the list was first given it was said that they um, were perfectly welcome to take a few days off um, and, and that they would probably only turn up for the Singapore friendly because they, uh, and then only because they told Sam Bowley or they told the outfit that they want to be involved in this new stage of the, of the national team right from the very beginning because of course they were playing the Champions League final um, recently enough that, that I'm, we've, we've now got a replay of it on the TV because they're still showing it a few days later Um and so the fact that they're already training at full intensity with the national team just a few days after this, um, after the match in Cardiff, uh, is interesting to me. It's not what we were expecting. I thought that Mallory Cardi was going to have a bit more to say, although, of course, Mallory Cardi has got a minor injury and therefore is, is highly doubtful for the Brazil game, at least. Um, and the other thing is, is how this is going to, sort of what it's going to mean tactically, because one of the things that, that Sam Pauli is, has been quite big on is, is forming this sort of square in midfield. So it's going to be Biglia and Banega at the base of this, and it's going to be Messi and Dybala ahead. And then how you arrange everybody else around it, whether it's through a, a, a 3-4-2-1, where the middle of the four and the two um, are the four players I just mentioned, or in this 4-2-3-1, where the two are obviously Biglia and Banega and then two of the three are going to be Messi and, and Dybala and Di Maria um, then is going to be a bit more of a free roll I would guess um, or how else you kind of uh, you end up bolting it all together and, and how fluid it ends up being as well and something that I, I, I at least I think is, is interesting is that uh, one of the principles of, of, of uh, Sampoli is the normal thing will be for uh, three defenders uh, three men defenders is to have the, the two carrileros or the two the, the, the right and left uh, midfielder yeah. to go back to the defense when they lose the ball. But Playing as wing-backs, yeah. Yes, but some, what some Pauli said is only when they they fail to to work as a block and and, and, and have the ball back. Mm. And, and in that case only uh, he will tell the, the, the midfielders to go and form a five Men defenders. Yeah, the uh, to which end as well. Another interesting thing was to read about his very, very first training session uh, right after the team got to Melbourne when there were only seven players there. It was seven senior players and plus um, they've taken 14, I think it is, uh, what in Argentina get called sparrings. 
um, youngsters who are brought along to provide opposition and stuff during tactical exercises and during practice matches. Um, and he apparently set them up so that they, they had uh, seven against ten um, or five against ten or five against seven or eight or something like this and said to whoever with the smaller number, right, you have to win the ball off them and you've got to do it by pressuring where the ball is very specifically at, at certain times, like a certain number of you have to go towards it. Above number of the, the when they move it to the other side of the pitch, then different players have to have to go so that if the ball's on the on the right hand side of the pitch, you've got the two um the the right winger and the right back and the right sided central midfielder and centre forward, let's say, uh pressuring the ball on that side and the guys on the left are basically standing there some distance off to open up the pitch so that if you do win the ball you can switch the play quickly. Um and the fact that he was getting that into them, even with only seven of the players there, very early on, he's obviously very eager to um, maximise the time that he's got with the team. Yes. And I know Pinola, but he wants uh, the defenders to have a clear, clear exit from the box, from mm. the well, from the back. Uh, and that's why he wants Mamana, for example, who is uh, well, the former River and actually at Lyon, uh, has that that's a. Characteristics and that features uh, that have, have to have a good foot uh, to uh, or a good pace. Mm. Uh, the same way, like for example, Martinez Cuarta at River, that is still a kid, and uh, it's not to say that he will, she should be there, but similar in terms of the the way they 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 take the ball. And uh, he wants that. He wants that from even from Mamana or. Perhaps I say Pinola or Tamendi, the ones who are there in the in the back. Mm. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that to me, the, the one other thing that, that seems really interesting is the four-two-three-one that we mentioned earlier. Uh, so I'll go over the full um, fi- uh, fixture um, formation. I knew it began with an F. Um, was Sergio Romero in goal? Jose Luis Gomez at right back, Maidana and Otamendi at centre back, Gabriel Mercado at left back, which I've mentioned is the slightly unusual bit. Um, Eva Banega and Lucas Biglia at the base of midfield, Lionel Messi, Paulo Dybala, Ankel Di Maria across the front, just behind Gonzalo Higuain. That's not enormously dissimilar, particularly the midfield forward to a team that Bausa might have put out if Javier Mascherano was injured, obviously. Mascherano is injured, and obviously we know um, that San Paoli, or we can infer very heavily from A, what he thinks, and B, um, the way that the squad list was presented um, when it was announced a few weeks ago that Mascherano is going to be playing in defence from now on. Uh, but that aside, it's not massively different to the kind of side that, that Bowser would put out personnel wise. And so it's, if he does go with that formation in particular, it's going to be really interesting to see how differently they play. Because it's going to be a, a real chance to see what the, what a difference the manager makes to how the players yes. actually go about, and also a fine illustration of the fact that formation doesn't matter as much as system. It, it, it's how you go about playing in that formation that's that's the more important thing, um, and we will see. I am interested as well by the just the fact that this first game is is such a high pressure one. Um, on the one hand, having two friendlies right after you get appointed as national team manager is useful. It, as I said already, it, it lets you get the players together. It lets you get everybody on the same page early on. It means that you can get your ideas through to key players and get them thinking about it from day one. Um, but on the other hand, the fact that the first of these games is against Brazil 
does add some pressure that maybe wouldn't be there against, I mean, any other opponent, really. Uh, you know, even if it was against England um, or against, you know, another sort of big footballing nation, like if it was against Germany or, or Italy or France or mm, Uruguay, possibly, but who knows. Um, but the fact that it's against Brazil does mean that there are going to be people even people who, who aren't able to watch the game because they're commuting to work when it's being played here in Buenos Aires or whatever, um, but who are going to end up paying attention to it, who are going to end up being very pissed off if they lose rather than just going, ah, yes. oh, it's a friendly. It's, it's like a game. match to win even when it's a friendly or a match, no, no matter the competition. It's like for Argentinian football, River Boca, when you you, you want to watch one win that match even if they you are in the... 18th position and the and your rival is 12 is second it doesn't matter anything else than winning yeah exactly um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the reaction is on Friday depending on the score I th- I'm going to go for a draw I think and, yeah, and then I'll stick my neck out I think on Tuesday next week they'll they'll probably get a win over Singapore maybe yes. and I think they can what I know why they arrange matches against Brazil and Singapore I think so I different do. ones Yes, of course. I mean the the, the of course the money, but yeah, I mean it's two different one rival to the other. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. Who knows? It, it's it's not exactly roughly even uh, standard of play, is it? Without any offence meant to any of our listeners in Singapore, of course. I'm, I'm sure that you'll be the first to admit uh, that your team. Well, I say this and Zambia. Uh, uh, went into the quarterfinals of the under twenty national uh, under twenty World Cup. So yeah, <laughs> and Venezuela to the semifinals. And England are in the semifinals. Yes. That that surprises <clears throat> me almost as much, to be honest, um, as an English person. But there we go. Uh, we also wanted to mention very briefly the mess that happened last Wednesday night. Um, regarding Jorge Sampaoli's contract, because it turns out that although they've been going after him for most of the second half of the season in Europe. Um, although it's been an open secret that he's signing for Argentina and he had permission from Sevilla to um, to put his, his seal of approval on, on the squad list and everything, um, that they haven't actually bothered discussing wages with him at any point before last Wednesday, when they sat down and he said, well, I'd like two and a half million euros... Euros or dollars? Euros, wasn't it? Euros. Um, a year, please. And they said, well, we're going to offer you 1.2. I, I'm just... They eventually settled on 1.7 and Sampaoli's giving up the money that Sevilla owe him and his staff in, in unpaid wages. Um, in the meantime, as, as part of the uh, the release clause for the Sevilla contracts and the AFA are going to pay him back that over the next... I think it's in 10 payments over the first year and a half of his contract or something like that. Um... So they eventually settled on that, and they eventually settled for a slightly reduced coaching staff to the one that he wanted for the national team. So the AFA are going to play some of the coaches, and then some of the other coaches are going to be paid by Sampaoli himself out of his own pocket, apparently. But it just sort of surprised me that they didn't think that that might be a conversation that they could have had you know, at any point before. I realised that for a lot of the time they were unable to talk to him because he was contracted to Sevilla. But after the last league game of the season, I thought that they were allowed to have the discussion. Uh, well, it's, it's something that weird. we are used to. Uh, fundamentally, we are used to that, to the ways AFA manages these things. Uh, I, I think they played with him 
the way that they said or they thought uh, he's already the coach or he will be uh, sooner or later. So we offer this and he will have to say yes. Yeah. Because Especially he after, yes. after, after he'd given his farewell speech at Sevilla saying, you know, my, my country is calling me, my country needs yeah, well. me. So between that and then the fact that they're fully aware as well, look, he's just walked out on a contract at a European club. So if... Barcelona hadn't already announced Valverde, um, uh, yes. for instance. It's not like Barcelona are going to go, oh yeah, we'd like this guy now because we've seen how loyal he can be to a contract. Uh, so I think that, yeah, as you say, the Apple were playing on, on all of that stuff. It's um, I don't know why I was surprised, but I was just a bit sort of, you couldn't have asked him about this before now. He didn't sort of feel like you wanted to find out how much you'd be expecting. It's, the, just... it's like conf- confirmation of... Uh, uh, that when they said, or Tapia, Angelisi, and Moshano, the, the, the three most important members of the new AFA, when they said that they w- would clean the AFA, that was a lie. And yeah. now with these things, we confirmed this. And this. Uh, we'll move on to some listeners' questions now. Uh, there is going to be no Mystic Sam this week, of course, because although I was, uh, just before recording on Twitter, trying to drum up some interest for competing with me um, for this week's mystical predictions I've completely forgotten that of course there's an international break so there are no mystical predictions this week because there's no Primera this weekend Um, which means that if you want to compete with me next week uh, for round 27 predictions then please feel free to send them in and we will see who does better it'll probably be you Um, this is questions then Darren Paul is first in he says I've been playing some football manager 14 lately Francisco Cerro is one of the top players in the league. I like Pancho, but was he really that good? The answer to that question is no. No. No, he wasn't. Um, And he also says, speaking of football manager, Sam, no man is too busy to play some football manager. I did not say last week that I was too busy to play it. I just said I hadn't done so for ages. Um, I'm certainly not busy. I've just sort of haven't found myself doing it. He says, also, did Lolo ever get fit enough to make an impact for Riber? No. Now, there's a question worth asking. He is playing, yeah, so it's not that he's not, not fit. fit enough, but he's not looking particularly sharp. One of the big mistakes from the River members, world members, to to hire a, an injured player like La Rondo, who I think last year just didn't go well signing wise for River at all, did it? Lolo, La Rondo, um, the other guy, Auski, well, I don't. Well, Auski was at the beginning of this year, but yes. you're right; he, he falls into a similar category. Just a sort of fairly underwhelming signings after Gashano Rojas, would judge the first year one superbly. Um, yes. Last week, Darren also says we had cult heroes, but this week, who is your favourite domestic player? I've got to go with Luciano Aued and Agustin Pelletieri. Pelletieri. We know that Darren is obsessed with Aued. Um, my favourite domestic player right now is. Alario. Yes, it's not difficult. I just like him. He reminds me of Solskjaer. He's pomp. Only starts more than uh, he comes off the bench for. Uh, Darren also says, keep up the stellar work and enjoy Dia del Periodista, Day of the Journalist. Thank you very much, Darren. Um, quite taken aback by how excited you were by it, but um, yes. Uh, Peter, as we mentioned already, Peter Coates says, thoughts on Matasha. River's upcoming transfer window, would you want to see a keeper come in? And he says he'll try and get along next week if possible. I would definitely want to see a goalkeeper coming in. Um, yeah, we have al- already been talking about this in the beginning when we talked about River uh, and, well, Batasha mistake. Yeah. Big mistake. Um, I think it was more, not not 
has not, not to do with the technical mistake, but with he was like uh, with fear, uh, going to that ball with fear and and well, uh, perhaps a good a good goalkeeper or, or a more experienced goalkeeper to be with him will help him very much. And yeah, I don't I don't I don't want to say and I won't say ever. Uh, to, well, yes, we have to clean him up and, and to bring a goalkeeper to be the, the in the starting lineup and him and Abatasha to be in the south bench because that won't help him. And of course, uh, the mistake, as I said, was to hire or sign Bologna. That was the other one, I think. Mm. Or he was also signed this year. No, he was signed last year. Ah. You're right, yeah. Uh, who is now injured and he can't help any. Uh, he is helpless because. He's recovering from an injury, and the, the substitute of Batasha is Velasco, yeah. as I said. I, I mean, I think you know, you, I'd sort of look at it, and you've got Matias Ibanez, who is at Lanús or Gimnasia now, can't remember. Um, Rodrigo Rey at Godoy Cruz. Um, I think any either of those would be an improvement. I, I would go so far as to say that, I, uh, given their, their recent big match, uh, record under Gasharano in particular I think the River are, are possibly favourites, certainly one of the favourites for the Copa Libertadores but they're not going to do it if, if Matasha continues in goal. They, they need everybody to stay fit because there isn't very much depth beyond River's starting yes. 11 um, and they also need um, yes. need to replace Matasha they if must, they're going to qualify, if, if they're going to challenge They the must Copa. have a meeting with him, to sit with him with a psychologist or whatever and say, tell him, look we are going to hire another goalkeeper that just has nothing to do with I, we are not going uh, blaming you or anything but you have to uh, perhaps the, the grow well, up and, and or, or possibly we're going to hire another goalkeeper and it, it is your yeah. fault it's because you keep not listening to what we tell you about coming out for high balls more sensibly and, and just not cocking them up all the time uh, but that's just me yes. uh, I don't I don't fa- uh, I'm, I don't like to uh, uh, this this to be to destroy a, a, a person and say uh, you are you are rubbish and you are not a keeper for River and, and this is it and mm. and take him to the bench, uh, perhaps to have a perhaps different treatment with him. That's my opinion, of course. Uh, Carlon Carpenter asks of the current Argentine sides who are your who are best placed to be contenders to win the Libertadores this year. I having just said a minute River. ago that um, that I think River can if they replace their goalkeeper I'm going to have to stick with that now aren't I the truth is uh, that it's difficult to say before the transfer window closes though because um, if River lose Alario Andriussi say then they will go from best placed to possibly third best placed behind Lanús and uh, San Lorenzo um, and you know the, the same is true uh, of all of the Argentine teams, it's also the same. Uh, yes. It's also true of all of the other teams left in the competition. Um, it could have a massive effect on on the strength of the teams ahead of the last sixteen. Um, but as it stands right now, I would say River and and San Lorenzo. It's not a very but original us, decision to name the two most recent winners. But, but you named Alario Andriusi for River, and it's n- impossible not to compare that pair of strikers with San Lorenzo's and Lanús mm. strikers because are the other well and Godoy Cruz is the other that have uh, uh, qualified to the knockout stage but San Lorenzo and Lanús who are for me along with River the Argentines that will uh, reach the more uh, uh, the, not the finals but the the quarter or semi-finals at least 
and it's sand from Lanús and Blandi for San Lorenzo. Yeah. And and you have that. And River has Juicy Alario as the of course a, a pair of strikers that are stable there. Not Alari, not Teowski, not uh, Alonso, not Laron of course, but uh, you have there a pair of strikers that together are are well brilliant and and, and San Lorenzo and Lanús which are I think I particularly think that uh, for River or for any Argentinian side, it's more difficult to play another uh, against another Argentinian side that f against another from another country, even with traveling and that. Yeah, because there's a psychological thing that comes yes. in then as well from the small teams from the smaller um, footballing nations like places like Venezuela and Bolivia. Obviously, there are no Venezuelan sides left in the competition. Uh, will often come to Buenos Aires and, and sort of feel like, well, we've never won a game in Argentina before. Um, you know, and they'll feel slightly cowed in that manner. Even Bra the Brazilian sides don't like playing in Argentina, in Uruguay, even though they could be very strong against Argentine and Uruguayan clubs at home. Um, so that kind of thing does come into it as well. And the other thing that, that actually we haven't mentioned is, is that the knockout stage draw hasn't actually been made yet. And so we don't know who's coming up against who and at which stage. And, and that could open things up enormously you know if, if one or the other team ends up with looking like uh, having a much easier run to the semi-finals than, than the others do then, then that could very well change but yes. uh, River and San Lorenzo have, have been there um, recently enough that certain players in the squads and the managers and, and people around the club know what it's like and know what it takes to do it and for that reason I'm going to say that those two are better placed than Lanús well, and Godoy Cruz are from the Argentinian teams the only two that have won the Copa Libertadores yes so, that as well um, and uh, well the, the draw will be decided just next Wednesday of course yeah I've forgotten it was that soon yes. you're quite right Yeah, thank you for the reminder Uh, Tariq Al Haidar says they say that San Paulo wants to play a friendly with, in July With a squad made up of local players, which new name should he call up? Uh, this is the first that I've heard of this. Uh, I heard something from him that he wants, but I don't know whether it's July or, 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 or when, and if, if this was for sure or confirmed. Uh, but new players, perhaps. He has, he, Bausa has already called Marconi, for example. Mm. That's a player, even when Biglia uh, and, and uh, Banega and... Uh, I know uh, that's a, sh a player that I will call up again because Bausa has already called him up. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. yeah he did get called up again in yes. one of the games because I remember telling saying to Peter, not on hand of pod, but in a separate conversation that I thought yes. that Marconi deserved a call up, and then he, he got one the following week. Um, I've mentioned Rodrigo Ray as a potential target for for Rivers, and and I, I think that he would um, possibly deserve a, a national team call up as well in goal. Um, then perhaps uh, even I don't know if Benedetto uh, as a potential I think definitely Benedetto and Driussi um, the top two scorers in, in the league this season uh, would both deserve it obviously uh, one would assume that Alario gets called up as well but he wouldn't yes. be a new call up um, and then potentially on, on current form uh, I mean, would you have Fernando Gago back in it? No I won't more than anything because Barrios were Argentinian, but he's Colombian. Part, yeah, of course, but but I mean, Gago is an interesting one because partly because his form hasn't been sort of very consistent for Boca this season, but also of course he's a known quantity in the national team, and so the the value of including him in that you're not going to sort of learn very much that you don't already know about him. 
um, there, but he, he'd be a potential because of, I guess, his experience for the national team in, in those terms if they decide to to go ahead with this friendly. Uh, but Ariel Rojas, Nacho Fernandez is in the current squad, so so he'd be yes. a difficult one. Yes, uh, and then great got, number of River players because the way they have been playing. Yeah. And yeah. then also you'd have to look at Racing, say Lautaro Martinez, Ezequiel Barco for Independiente. Um, Barco is very very young, even for the under twenty. But if it's a, a friendly only including local players, yes. I think that you can maybe get him there to, to be in and around the, yes. the atmosphere and the training centre and to start to get to know what it's like to, to be there. Yes. I would call I think that Sampoli does that that's why he talks about the the players that can make some to associate the, themselves. A, a pair of players from a, from the same team. I I mean for example Rigoni and Barco, uh, uh, Nacho Fernandez and Rojas, things like that. Yeah, indeed. So, a few names there, hopefully enough for you, for the moment. Um, Liam Kelly, who is no relation, says the title race could be over after another Batasha error. Yes, he's young and I think he'll come good, but he can't make those kind of mistakes. Uh, that's not a question, it's just a statement, but I've read it out now yeah. anyway. And then Liam says, is Driussi going to make it back against Racing? It looks serious. If not, then who's the replacement? They will try for him uh, to be there uh, because he's not as big injury as it was thought when when he slipped uh, in the match against Lorenzo. Uh, they will take advantage of the FIFA date or round to to uh, try to recover from the injury and yes, they will try to to make it. If yeah. not, I think that it will be uh, well more ice out. And he has been a victim of a rumor of that he had cancer, and finally it was wasn't like that. Uh, very 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 big uh, lie from a former River player, even uh, Oscar Pinino Mas, that said to yes. uh, students of journalists, to young journalists at a school, of, uh, that he had a cancer of uh, bones and he won't be able to play anymore. And well, at the wow. very few moments later, also River and Mora said that it was this was a lie, and the, the treatment is uh, being uh, as it was stated before, and uh, nothing like that. Uh, so as Mora is, is injured, and uh, if Drusi isn't uh, recovered by 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 next week, I think that it will be uh, housekeeper because of the, the of the position they play. Mm. Uh, because I don't know whether Larondo or Alonso, who is who has also been injured and now he's recovered, uh, could play uh, replacing Juicy. Uh, yeah, I mean, assuming that Alario comes back fit from international duty, uh, well, he might not be back in time. In fact, because if the game's moved to the Saturday, um, then uh, then there's a chance that River will have to put up with to play the game without their internationals. But yeah, then then it, it starts to get. Ah, because there was a discussion there that uh, the, the the match against between River and Racing has been programmed uh, for for Saturday. But yes. Alario, uh, Alario, Danofrio complained about this, and finally, as I uh, as I heard today or read today, it was reprogrammed to to Sunday. Ah, uh, really? Because the last that I read, it was confirmed no. as Saturday because Boca are playing on Saturday. Um, yes, but uh, 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 the ideal thing would be for Boca and River to play in this at the same time. Yeah. But uh, Donofrio complained about this because 
Oscorp, Nacho Fernández, Moreira, eh, eh, Maidana, and Alario will come back to Argentina with few few time, with little time before Saturday, and finally AFA, as I read, eh, reprogram the match for Sunday. Oh, you're quite right. I, I saw it on TV shortly before this, but Sebastián Schroeder, who is a good journalist to follow for River Things, says that it's been confirmed that, that they're going to be playing on Sunday the, the 18th. Um, so it looks like they will indeed be available. Um, in which case, I, I think about Nacho Fernández, even to replace Triussi. I know that it's not his natural position, but after the display that Auski put in against San Lorenzo... Um, yeah. I'd, I'd rather have Fernandez who can at least run around a lot and find an opponent with a pass. Uh, so, sorry, find, find a teammate with a pass, even which is even better um, than what what Alski did, um, which was just horrible from start to finish the other day. Um, Liam also says congratulations to Deportivo Moron on winning promotion last night. Quite right. Yes, um, they defeated Platense two one and uh, became champions. And which means play Nacional B. they're into the Nacional B, the second yes. tier for next season. Um, that is it, I think. Yes, it is. Uh, Hari Tawil adds towards the end uh, that Benedetto Andriussi should be heading to Europe and getting a national team call up. Well, yeah. but Benedetto has been oh, another rumor because it's full of rumors in Argentine football to have been to be in a, in a negotiation or that he he will uh, he has been linked with Sevilla. Mm. It's strange. It's strange because the presidents of Boca and Sevilla, the uh, I don't remember the, the name of the Sevilla. I say Castro, is it? Castro, yes, Castro Carmona, and Angelisi had have a good relationship, and that's why uh, he will uh, want Benedetto in, in their team. And uh, uh, Benedetto said that he still is still not thinking about that, and. Well, the, the same things that every player that is named for a team says. But uh, yes, uh, that was the only thing I know, is that he has been linked or named for to go to Sevilla, but nothing nothing official. Indeed. Uh, that's your lot this week. We've been recording for yeah, just over an hour. Um, it's been a short episode, but there's no mystical section to do. Yes, that's it. That is. I mean, I, I've made my predictions yeah. already. I think it'll be a draw with Brazil and um, probably a win against Singapore. Um, would you like to throw anything out that's different to that, Andres? Just out of curiosity. No. Well, I, I, about the the match against Argentina and Brazil, I won't uh, preview anything. Uh, as I as a friendly, and I don't. I don't see anything. Uh, I, I I will see the differences between. San Paoli, and if if there is any difference from the beginning, that, that is the first match, mm. then if they win or they draw or they draw or they lose against Brazil, yeah. which is of course if they lose four nil, yeah, well, of course it will be a less than ideal start. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there we are. Thank you very much, everybody, for your questions. Thank you for listening to us for another week, putting up with us, and we will join you again next week uh, to discuss. Um, two hopefully thrilling matches given how early I'm getting up in the morning to watch them um, against Brazil and against Singapore um, and to preview the resumption of what's going to be a 
disappointingly dull run into the title race after yes. building it up for the last few and weeks. I hope not, but that round could decide the, the champions. Uh, yes, if it could. If River yeah, sort of and Banfield doesn't I mean. win. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and Boca do. Then, yeah, we shall see. Um, thank you very much for joining me this week, Andres. Oh, you're welcome, Sam. And thank you. Thank you to our listeners and goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>